0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Understanding who we are from the core of our existence beyond physicality, the core of our existence in connection with the very force of life, the core of our existence in an undefined spiritual state. that contains all possibility. All of the things that help us to govern our time here in this physical life are sacred instructions.
1: Sacred Instructions. That's the title of Sherry Mitchell's book and workshop at Omega Institute. Sherry is from an island in Maine, is a lawyer by training, and delves deeply into the traditions of her Wabanaki Native American heritage, working to bring those teachings into the present. This is Dropping In from Omega Institute, a podcast that explores the many ways to awaken the best in the human spirit. I'm Karen Michelle. The subtitle of Sherry Mitchell's book is Indigenous Wisdom for Living Spirit-Based Change. Now barely in her 50s, and both a mother and grandmother, she explained to those gathered in a semicircle in front of her how she became a bearer of that wisdom. I
0: have uh, this incredible blessing of a cultural frame of reference that's very strong. And um, I come from a very, very strong family that really encouraged from a young age the, um, the emergence of my being. And uh, I also feel incredibly blessed to have had uh, this group of elders because of the type of community that I grew up in where there was uh, this real uh, respect for and honoring of those who had lived the longest, Um, that uh, they took on their responsibility of watching me grow, of looking for the things that they saw within me Trying to amplify those things, um, helping to reflect back to me um, the the gifts that they saw within me, and so um, when I was born, my great grandmother uh, gave me a name, Aliwasis Pazazam. and so uh, I had carried that name until I became an adult, and then when I got to a certain place in my life. Um, The elders who had been watching me grow uh, called me in and they said, uh, you know, we've been watching you and um, we would like to offer you a name. And so it's a serious business when you get (laughs) offered (laughs) a name. And I had to decide, you know, I had to decide, uh, was I willing to take on that name? Was I willing to take responsibility for what that name carried? Uh, Was I willing to um, continue to honor the obligations uh, attached to that name for the remainder of my life? And what I realized in this uh, gifting of this name was that it encompassed my medicine. And so my name, Wanahamukwasi, is one of the um, depictions in our Mythology of um, one of our female deities, the white feathered serpent and and so it's a it's a full emergence of myself in this process of discovering that the name that had been chosen for me uh, was actually a depiction of who I had become and so what uh, one of how Mugwasi does is she goes down below the surface and brings hidden truths up to the light. Uh, the literal translation of the name is She Who Brings the Light. Uh, we are the people of that first light as as Wabanaki or Chwabanaki people. And uh, so she chases the sun down into the darkness and back into the sky at dawn. So she brings new beginnings. And so uh, when I thought about who I was and what I have been doing with my time here on earth, uh, it has been bringing things that have been hidden into the light. Uh, And she also carries specific uh, women's teachings that I am now responsible for teaching the young women uh, in my community. And so about honoring the sacred feminine, about recognizing the gifts that the mother brings to the world uh, about recognizing um, the value and the benefit of nurturing, cultivating, and protecting life.
1: Think about your name, its meaning, history, those who've had it before you and those who gave it to you in this life. Does it reflect your medicine? Or rather, do you reflect it? As Sherry Mitchell says, there are a number of things that we are called to do, and those are the things that are connected to our medicine, whatever that creation song is that we carry. As it is with Sherry Mitchell's people, so it is for many cultures that a name confirms and predicts who that person truly is and who they will become. And as it was with Sherry Mitchell, often a name changes over time, whether given by others or taken by oneself. When she and I talked, we spent some time discussing her name and the tattoos that cover her forearms, depicting other elements of her heritage.
0: Well, on my left-hand side, I have a depiction of my name in my language. Uh, the openings in that tattoo are aiming up toward uh, the line that goes to my heart. And so that feminine aspect is the intuitive knowing that's guided by the history of wisdom of that feminine line. Um, also, the wisdom of the sacred feminine. And so when I when I um, had these tattoos put on me, it was done in ceremony. And it was done um, with an acknowledgment of my readiness to be an embodiment of what this symbolized. And so it was a deeper level of commitment, even to my name. How old were deeper, you when that happened? Uh, this has just happened recently. So, um, I I waited. I didn't have any tattoos or any piercings other than my ears, and um, I decided that when I got to a place in my life where I felt that I was ready to have an embodiment of my own truth. Um, on my skin as a reflection of who I am, then I would do that. And so these were both done in honor of my 50th year. And then on my right-hand side, which is my masculine side, the opening is going out into the world. And that is my patrilineal line, which is Bear Clan. And so that, that Bear Clan strength and guidance and protection helps to govern my
1: action out in the world for many years, Sherry Mitchell's actions have been focused on healing the earth, feeling and respecting its vibrations. She sees herself as a warrior. For us, uh, there is
0: no word in our language within our um, our warrior philosophy that has anything to do with violence or fighting. And so a uh, warrior is one who serves and protects. We have words for that service and that protection within our language, um, but none of that is connected to violence or to fighting. And so uh, even the word warrior itself, which comes from the terminology of war, is flawed in that sense, Um, but we use what we have. And so what we really need now is um, the cultivation of spiritual warriors. And so those are are individuals who are dedicating their lives to the service and protection of life. And I think that it's uh, about connecting with courage. It's connecting with commitment. It's connecting with our sense of responsibility for the, the preservation and perpetuation of life, that we have an obligation to the force that has given us life to help perpetuate that life into the future. Because there are, if we learn to listen, if we're quiet, if we really connect, uh, we can hear the voices of the future generations beckoning to be born. We can hear them calling to us, uh, asking for this incredible privilege of life to be granted to them. And for us to preserve that gift for them um, is a call from behind and a call from in front of us. So, you know, one of the most beautiful uh, realizations I ever had was an understanding that I am standing in the place where where I exist, uh, living conduit to all life, that I am connected to the very source of life that all goes all the way back to the hand of the Creator, that I carry the blood of my ancestors in my veins and the seeds of future generations in my body. And so I'm holding this space between the past and the future as as a conduit for life between those two poles. And it's such a beautiful and powerful image, but it's also such an incredible responsibility. I'm not a placeholder in time. I have a specific purpose while standing in this space to ensure that the wisdom of the past is carried forward, but also that the perpetuation of life continues through me so that those who are beckoning to be born have that same opportunity and same gift of life that I've been given. Uh, What a beautiful and powerful thing that is.
1: We'll be back with the story of the cannibal giant, more of Sherry Mitchell's sacred instructions. First, a word about Omega Institute for Holistic Studies. For more than 40 years, Omega has been hosting workshops and retreats on yoga, mindfulness, art, sustainability, women's leadership, health, It's a rich mix. And with this podcast, I'm introducing you to some of the remarkable teachers exploring Omega's mission to awaken the best in the human spirit. To learn more about Omega, visit eomega.org. That's E-O-M-E-G-A dot O-R-G. Better yet, make this podcast your entry into all things Omega. Subscribe to Dropping In, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and tell a friend. Most of us grew up hearing stories, legends, tales passed down through oral tradition or the written word. And many of these stories are cautionary, whether it's entering another unfamiliar world, transforming into a different entity, the consequences of unkind actions. In the more than a dozen years that I lived in Alaska, several of them were in indigenous villages where tales were told into the winter nights. In the Coyucon-Athabascan community of Nulato on the Yukon River, the conclusion was always the same. There, now I've chewed off part of the winter. Some were true stories of hunting adventures with unexpected results, others of beings with special powers. Sherry Mitchell told workshop participants about a being called the cannibal giant and how he is still among us.
0: The challenge is that we have become enmeshed and entranced um, by what we call uh, the cannibal giant, Giwok. And so the story of Giwok, the cannibal giant, is that uh, he is a protector of Mother Earth, right? Because we've been here four times, remember? So we know about Giwok. And Giwok's role specifically is to protect Mother Earth When human beings start consuming faster than she can produce and harming her faster than she can heal, that's when Giwok wakes up. And so what our uh, spiritual elders tell us right now is that we are in the midst of the dance of the cannibal giant, that it is active uh, and at play right now. And what Giwok's job is, which sounds counterintuitive is to bring the people into this entranced state where they're not really fully recognizing uh, what they're doing anymore. They're blind and numb to the harm that they're causing and dancing them faster and faster, things are quickening, uh, in this frenzied dance of consumption until they consume themselves into extinction. And then when that happens, uh, Mother Earth can heal herself and restore herself. So the job of the cannibal giant is essentially to dance us off the planet because we haven't learned how to live in harmony with life. Right. And the only way for us to stop this dance of the cannibal giant is for us to wake up. That's the only way he goes back to sleep is when we wake up. And so we have a responsibility right now to wake up. And so we need to wake up to uh, the consumptive aspects of our societies.
1: Wake up indeed. Many spiritual traditions teach about the need to wake up. I have friends who keep a Buddhist saying right where they'll see it first thing in the morning and last thing at night. It's above the toilet. In beautiful calligraphy, it reads, Awake, awake, do not squander your life. An admonition perhaps more pertinent than ever in light of a global pandemic. Relevant, too, given Cherry Mitchell's wake-up regarding consumption, overconsumption. She tells us that we need to wake up to do the work ahead, to awaken from the daydream of complacency that insulates us from being alert, aware. A warrior who protects, not destroys.
0: We have the responsibility to dream our future generations into being, and so the process that we're going to go through is going to be un- unraveling a tiny thread of what does that process look like? How do we engage active creation based on all of the things that we have been taught, all of the all of the wisdom that's within our teachings, right? Um, to be true, conscious, co-creators of the future that our future generations are going to step into. We're the ones that are carrying uh, the capacity to do that. And so when we start understanding what our capabilities are as co-creators of the reality that we're living in, when we start understanding that the common experiences that we're having collectively are actually framing the reality that we're creating for those who are gonna come after us. Uh, We can't help but be more responsible about our choices. We can't help but be more responsible about the way that we walk. We are the positive possibility. I mean, us, Wakey got from the dance of the cannibal
1: giant. Dropping In is a presentation of Omega Institute dedicated to awakening the best in the human spirit. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps New Year's find us. And to learn more about Omega, visit our website at eomega.org. I'm Karen Michelle. That is, that's the name I was given at birth. Perhaps I should say I'm Karma Sharap Wangmo, our Lady of Wisdom, a name I was given as an adult. May this podcast be one small way of sharing the wisdom of others with you. Dropping In is written and produced by me. The editor is Catherine Stifter. The music and mix are by Scott Mueller. And Callie Alpert is the executive producer. Thanks for dropping in.